everybody. This is Mark Thurman. Uh, I'm the committee chair for the MIT Connected Things Conference, which is coming up on April 5th at the MIT Media Lab. And I'm here with a number of guests. We're here to, and I'll explain and introduce, and we're here to talk to our friend Frank Gillette, who will be moderating a very interesting panel mm -hmm. and has an interesting position. But before I introduce Frank, I want to introduce the rest of my cohort. David, who are you? I'm Dave Pausner. I'm a partner at Nutter, McLennan and & Fish and a patent lawyer. Uh, I'm Mick Williams, and I'm the, the president, chairman. I forget. What are you, Ziad? I get mixed up. So I'm the CEO, so we're, right. you're everything okay. but the president. Yes. We're everything, we're everything but the CEO. Everything. Boston Harbor Angels. All right, Ziad, and you are? Same thing, Boston Harbor Angels. Happy to be here. Thank you. And this uh, series. And before we introduce Frank, I, I'm going to say that this is a joint production of the Failure the Podcast group, which is uh, the group that just introduced itself, and um, and also the MIT Enterprise Forum. Frank, who the hell are you, and why are you here? Uh, my name is Frank Gillette. I'm a vice president and principal analyst at Forrester Research. Uh, we do uh, market research for enterprises and uh, vendors about how technology is changing and what we can do to make them more successful with customers. Um, and I've been looking at technology change and business change uh, for more than 20 years. Uh, so um, the Internet of Things is the latest, funnest thing that I am looking at. Is funnest a word? We'll go with it. Hey, by the way, should I start recording now? <laughs> Dude, I saw this. For, for, the, for the failure podcast listeners, they're, they're used to this. They're used to no joking for this one. No, that's right. We're being serious. But, um, so the intent of this brief podcast is really to talk about the upcoming event. And um, before we do, I'd, I'd like to ask uh, Frank to kind of talk about the IoT market hmm. since uh, in his capacity at Forrester, He's the possessor of much data. I have one question first. What mm. event are we talking about? I, the one I talked about a minute ago, which was the Connected Things event, like which is the conference we're having at April at the MIT Media Lab on April 5th, starting at 9 in the morning. Okay. Um, actually, it's a good juncture to talk about. We'll have three uh, keynotes, mm. and then I will let Frank talk, since I mm. have that capability. Uh, one keynote is uh, the gentleman who heads the... Uh, Amazon's AWS IoT business, Dirk Didaskalu. Um, it's a hard name for me you to pronounce. You didn't fail. I uh, just talked to him. Uh, second person is Noor Swede, who has been at the Dubai Future Foundation investing uh, sovereign wealth in building smart cities and now doing a new venture firm that she'll talk about. Lastly, we have the chief digital officer from GE Power, whose name is Steve Martin, not the comedian. <laughs> um, so Frank, market dynamics, how big is this? Oh, you know, it's billions and billions. I could say it would be huger, but that's like, Carl you Sagan. know. Yes, exactly. Yes. For those of you following along at home, that's a Carl Sagan reference, which I like better than the huger reference. <laughs> huger, yes. the Y. Huge. Huger huge. reference, yes. So um, there's talk about like how many billion devices will be attached. I prefer to focus more on sort of how much business value will get created. Okay. Really hard to measure that, but the way I break it down for our clients is think about if you make a physical product or create a physical experience, how can making physical things digitally enabled improve or even transform that experience? So for anyone in the business of designing and creating a physical experience or product, it's a transformative opportunity. So just 
to understand it better since the failure of the podcast group largely overlaps Boston Harbor Angels, which just heard a presentation today hmm. on a bicycle helmet. Hmm. Turns out to be a folding bicycle helmet, a very cool one. Not Lumos, then, if it's folding. No, no and no. if we invest, we don't even recognize that there are competitors. So, oh. I'm joking, of course. Oh, you're in. No, but the company is out uh, on the market. It's called yeah. Fend. Fend, yes. Let's give them a uh, yeah, round plug. of applause. Yeah. Uh -huh. but, but it's not connected. So, we were just talking about... Uh -huh. Give us an example how how that experience could be enhanced. enhanced. It's not connected well, yet. I've seen several different um, uh, attempts to connect bike helmets. One is to build in motion sensors that trigger automatic brake lights on the back of the helmet. So, to warn people behind you based on the change in acceleration of the bicycle. Uh, second uh, thing I've seen in connected bike helmets is um, turn signals that you can thumb on the handlebar prior to making the turn. Wow. Um, third thing I've seen is uh, bone conduction uh, microphones built into helmets so that without plugging up your ears, they can send sound into your head uh, to give you, say, turn left at the next street. Um, so, uh, and then I've seen connected lighting not just the brake lights, but front and rear visibility lights. Uh, those don't necessarily need sensors, but if you um, added a uh, sensor that um, detected ambient light, then they could adjust power output based on ambient light, both for safety and efficiency. Now, you don't necessarily need to be connected to the internet to do all those things, but imagine if you also put a location sensor in the helmet rather than on the bicycle. Well, so we talk about GPS. Finn did talk about GPS as one of their future add-ons. Mm -hmm. But where would you define the boundary hmm. of the Internet of Things? Only if it's connected directly or... I was going to ask that the, question this for This is like my right? favorite. This is when Frank and I <laughs> talk informally. They, there's there's uh, a disparity in how uh, experts approach the market. Yes. I'm a firm believer that if it ain't connected, it ain't in the IoT category. Mm. Frank and I have had this... Well, well it's storing it's, data and then I get into a realm... Storing for that's that's different. I, to me, it has to be uh, persistently Mark addressable. Mark wants real time, like Ooh. the sensors connected to appliances. So it's, in other words, is it synchronous or asynchronous? So the my rule of thumb is, if the sensors are outside uh, personal computing devices as we know them today, then that's it's right. IoT. So if it's in the phone or in your tablet or in your PC, that's in a realm that we already know and understand. I agree. Uh, for two reasons, um, because it's in a, in in those existing devices. Number one and two because they're assigned to the person, not to another object in the world that is interacting with the world. Thus, the Internet of Things. Correct. Now, the whole connectivity question, um, I think as long as the data eventually get to the Internet, it's oh, okay. disagreement between the two. Well, yes. yes. So, again, Frank's got a, a level of market expertise that I can only aspire to. as that for false modesty? Um, <laughs> No banging on the table. Yeah. No banging <laughs> under the table. Hit, his head hit the table. <laughs> he, just asked he needs a helmet. For one rule, and that one rule was broken. Oh, as, as it usually is. Um, <laughs> so go back to where you were. Yeah, so I, I, how do I phrase this? Well, while you're thinking, let me dive in. Okay. Um, I missed the one caveat in as you turn to Ziad, which will not be apparent mm. to those listening to the podcast unless they're listening very closely. Mm -hmm. uh, as you turn to Ziad, you made some comment about connectivity, which justified your labeling it the Internet of Things. Is it simply the requirement that the sensors or actuators, in, in, in your mind, by definition, if the sensors or actuators are outside of the traditional realm, i.e. outside, outside of personal devices, yep. right? Yep. And they're at least connected to each other. That constitutes an Internet of Things. 
As long as it made the data made its way to the internet eventually. So I said asynchronously connected, not necessarily right, instantly. Which, which is a stored forward model. Right, kind of. but it, but if it, if it's a thing with sensors that the data never travel anywhere, that's pretty uninteresting. Right. What's interesting is when the physical worlds and the digital worlds connect, and and the way I say it is, look, um, you want to have digital identity of a thing, which enables security and a bunch of other stuff. You want remote status automatically digitally, and you want remote control. So if you have that two-way conversation between the digital world and the physical world, identity and status inbound, control outbound. Why does control matter? Well, control is optional, not required. So it can be any one of those three, but usually it's, it, it, usually it's the status, and then I argue that you need identity of the mm -hmm. thing to make sure that nobody's spoofing you on the data or messing you up on the remote control, and the remote control is optional. Um, there's often increased value, but it's not required in every situation. So but Internet of Things is called Internet of Things. Isn't it also philosophically things talking to things? It, right? it can, it's, it can it's be, objects. but not necessarily. But this is the point I was going to make before, which is... Uh, when you thing, had your senior moment. When I had my senior moment, because we're no longer middle-aged men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always say I hate the term Internet of Things because I don't uh, want my things on the damn Internet. So the reality your is junk. You don't want your junk on the internet. Well, I don't want my junk on the internet either. Well, but that's my wife. My wife so, probably would have something to say about that. But well, we talk about internet-style networks, right? Because yes. uh, somebody's protocol. dying and trying not to laugh audibly. Um, so the 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 thing is, it, that's why I like to talk about it as digital, right? It yes. doesn't have to go over the public internet, but it needs to plug into modern digital in the way we think about it today. Um, I, agree, I agree with that. So if you have sensors that are isolated and stovepiped and they don't go into software somewhere and don't get distributed, it's a lot less interesting. But I'm not dogmatic about this. I'm practical, right? If, if, if mobile and digital and web, as we understand it today, can describe what's happening, why use a new term? Um, so to me, the important thing is sensors and optionally actuators in the real world in other things that are not our personal devices is what makes it interesting well, and powerful. So can you, can, I you, agree with that vehemently. can you give us an example of an item that represents the Internet of Things? A device that you encounter that's really true to the idea of Internet of Things? A thing Let on me the propose pipe. something that I know irritates the hell out of Mark. So okay. now we're, we just lost family friendly. Uh -oh. um, when I have a cell phone mm. in my car connected to Waze, yes. Is that constitute part of the Internet of Things? My vote is no. No. Oh, um, I experts agree. Oh. I say no too. No, it's mobile. Oh, I'd like let's to say yes, but it's yes. not. But it's not. It's, it's now, mobile. The, now you're using you're using the phone as a proxy for the location of the car. Well, not only that, and it's communicating with ways along with that from the same signal from other cars and from other cell phones, other cell phones, which are acting as proxies for automobiles. Yeah, yeah. So what's the problem? But the, well, the, the problem is there's, the sensor never left the phone. It's not interesting in a new way. It's simply renaming something we were already no, no, doing. No, 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 no. So wait a minute. So, so I guess to another point, which is you could change your definition. If your definition were a bit broader, hmm. you would simply need to acknowledge that, that with the Internet of Things is not new. It's simply been ramped up dramatically so, over the last so year. So let's, let's digress. The term Internet of Things emerged from the MIT Media Lab in 1999, courtesy of a gentleman by the oh, name of Kevin Oh, throw the bums overboard. How's that relevant like, today? But uranium, that term emerged probably in the 1800s, and uranium's been around since the beginning of time. So, yeah. so it's like this third or fourth so the, uh, so, well, and, and the name has 
uh, has, well, no, you're right. uh, It's the (laughs) physics degree finally paid off. Your parents would be very happy. But um, the the term that I preferred that I operated under for a while was machine and machine. SCADA was another term. This is the notion of putting sensors on devices in order to gain data and and assert a manner of control. So your question, there's a dozen or so verticals uh, that are kind of industrial or enterprise verticals, smart city. Smart car, but you know this is like arguing about sports, right? There's no right answer. Um, so the way I chess is a sport after all. <laughs> sure. The way the way yeah, I approach this MIT nerds in a room and they talk about chess. Uh, the way I approach this is, what's the net new interesting thing, right? Yeah. So mobile phones with a variety of sensors within the phone, we already understood and talked a lot about that and we know that those serve as useful proxies of the people and if the people and the phone are inside something called an automobile, that's also interesting too. But it's not different and new. So I resist the term of, of you're taking the latest buzzword and applying it to something we've already talked about and understand. What I'm interested in is the net new bits. Um, and so that's that's how I land where I. Well, okay, okay, but just uh, without belaboring the point, I'll argue that that's if you were an investor, yeah, we are belaboring this point for for, for, for purpose. Yeah. I'll argue if you're an investor in Waze, which uh, would have been oh, who, who owns Google Waze now? Yeah, Google. Oh, they okay. paid a billion bucks you for them five years ago. We yeah. have come up with the coolest thing by using a known. A known thing, a phone yeah. with a GPS in it, we can sensorize cars and essentially turn cars into a uh, traffic detection system. So to you, me, you're you tripping over before with the yeah, with the personal nav devices did it before Un- until until you get yeah, an yeah, autonomous right. until you get an autonomous vehicle with no driver in it and oops when they don't have passengers you don't know where they are. So, well, so it has to be independent. That's one of that's the, my point. It has to be independent of the person. That's, that was my point. And, and as a practitioner in the space, that's the the deals I look at for all the companies I work with. That's what they're looking to do. So they're looking to put a sensor on a blood pressure or a cardiac monitor or med- other medical device. Okay, they just connect but, them. They made them connect. Okay, but to me, I'm that's hearing right. I'm hearing um, sort of mean not meaningless, but less significant semantic difference because if somebody walked in front of Boston Harbor Angels and said, I. I have realized that there are all these iWatches, Apple Watches out there, and phones of all varieties out there, and I can detect a, um, a tsunami or an earthquake, or I can do something of value. Right. Maybe not that for so value. You, to so you're trying to turn, turn you're, you're, where are you going? Is you're going to try and turn the iPhone or an Android phone no, into a sensor? Well, that that works in places where people exist. Right. But if you're trying to detect one in remote Patagonia, there's no iPhones to but, tap but, into. That's well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, why I, would you use a $900 iPhone? To do the job that a, a ten dollar because device to can me do. you're throwing a label on something which is it's it's so the bottom line is earthquakes do the most damage as I understand it in places where there are people and they do even more monetary damage than the damage you can measure monetarily if the people happen to be uh, uh, but a you more would probably want to use more, more specialized sensors than well, even would, the iPhone make use of what you and can. they're cheaper you, you, so the answer is yes to all of this. Um, because, but for example, in the earthquake, you want the sensors close to the quake, not close to the economics. If I can, but I don't have the money to put them there. But I know there are a lot of people there. Yeah, but let, let me simplify. <laughs> I think that it's not when you take a device and connect it, then you make an IoT device. It's when the device is a standalone device that has internal capabilities to connect or not connect to the outside world when it needs to, and it has built-in intelligence. And I'll argue that's just one definition. Yes. yes. 
So all of, all of these are valuable. Yeah. The, the trick is framing it in ways that people can understand the new and different opportunities, right? So as right. an investor, frankly, I bet we don't care about the labels. The question right. is, yes. what's new and different? What is and an interesting value, investment added opportunity? Added value, hopefully disruptive added and, value. And mobile, mobile has a huge connection with and interdependence in some cases for some of these things we're calling IoT. So let me, let me do an inartful transition, just given time. Mm. Two things. Number one, you talked about creating market value. Today I saw, and I, I'm, I'm assuming it was attributed to McKinsey, mm -hmm. that uh, IoT in 2020 will be 11% of global GDP. Do you see similar? It's a baloney. Yeah, I mean the, the trick in all swag. these. Yeah, it depends um, on your definition, right? Of GDP. So, so, so yes. Depends on your definition of what is it is. This, this will this will have a huge impact. The way I see it is, it rolls first through the designers because someone's got to start the life cycle of an internet connected thing. Then it rolls into the realm of people who operate these assets, right? Because one company's products is another company's assets for operations. Right. Um, and so in operation, there's a lot of chance to save money, but typically saving money doesn't create a lot of economic value, right? It creates a race to the bottom. So right. there's this temporal, uh, temporary disadvantage for certain people who can get the efficiency first, but then the water level drops for everyone. Um, the real interesting thing is if in operations with this new sensor information, can you change the customer dynamic? Can you offer more choices of product configuration? Can you deliver faster? Can you create a better experience? Mm -hmm. Can you transform someone's experience on a cruise ship or in an amusement park by knowing where they are uh, and offering them things? Like Disney now, you can prearrange a meal and then without announcing yourself, walk into a restaurant, seat at the table, and they just bring the food to you. Which is a very different kind of they experience. They bring the wrong food to you, or the right to you know. We see it all the time. They bring the wrong. Food. Well, it won't be good food. Depends on, it depends on how robotized it is, and whether the software guys made a mistake. Right. So, um, but then the last bit, and this is the one that the market least understands. So these are the three scenarios that Forrester has spelled out in its reports. Right, designing physical things and environments, um, operating IoT-enabled assets. So. Perhaps the biggest set of opportunities there and, the, and sort of in the mid of development, but still pretty early. But the last one's consume, which is outside your own products and operations, what new information is coming into existence in the world, like where there's an earthquake or where all the cars are, that you can use to improve to make your, make your business better? Um, so someone, if they are willing, can sort of make a new offering of the data and either sell the insights or the data from which you can generate insights. And so for every company, they have at least one, if not all three of these opportunities. Change how they design, change how they operate, and consume new insights about the rest of the world that can improve their business. Right. So those are the three scenarios or Let's opportunities. Just take the one you talked about, Disney and the table and the food. Yeah. How do you Makes measure hungry. the economic value of that? Is the price of the meal? Is it the price of, I didn't have to have a... Well, improves customer service is my guess. And then I think the more, you know, rapid turns of the table. Mm. So they can they can accommodate more customers. If, so, I mean, in, in our calculating the total value of Internet of Things, yeah, 20% or 12% or whatever the number is. 11% uh, of you, GDP. Would you include how many things in there? So it, it's in the eyes of the beholder, but if I'm uh, a company measuring customer SAT, what I'm real interested in is uh, stickiness and repeat business. Do they come out happier and buying more souvenirs, right? That's one possible byproduct. Another is, wow, that was fantastic. I want to come back. Um, Are they wearing ears when they come out or ears when they go in? Or both, <laughs> hopefully, at least from the point of view of the people selling the ears. So it, 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 
I think that illustrates how difficult it is to, to measure this. And what we see is a lot of customers sort of uh, grasping at the operational cost savings and then trying to put those savings in their pocket immediately instead of saying, huh, I'm at the beginning of a long iterative business experiment. Maybe I should invest some of the savings in further experimental capability because, and to give a very simple analogy, it's like the people who say, oh, LED light bulbs, uh, they save energy. Let's put up a lot of ladders and swap light bulbs and look at that, we're gonna, we have a little upfront cost, but we're gonna save a lot of energy and we'll bank that. Uh, oops, now I want smart light bulbs. I gotta go climb the ladder again. If I had taken some of that energy savings that came from dialing down consumption and invested it in slightly better bulbs that were connected, then I can get a lot more value, you know, mood lighting, you know, boost the energy of the workers in the morning, chill them out in the evening before they go home. A um, lot more flexibility. I'm assuming that technology exists. It does. Well, now um, it does, but it assuming it existed when the, the LED at the light point came in time, out. Yes, of course. The relevant point in time. Right. So what we see is is people optimizing for, you know, save a few bucks on, say, uh, the number of uh, tractor trailers they need, uh, rather than saying, hmm, I could charge a premium price if I position these in a way that lets me offer premium service at a higher cost or that creates more consistent delivery times and therefore stickier customers. So I have a question to prove I'm not listening. Um, two mm. questions. Mm. One is, what is the relevance of this discussion to your program? Answer that second. Okay. The first question is, going back to the semantics, is there a notion of sensorizing data itself? Sensorizing data. So monetizing data. No, no, not monetizing data. So in a, in a distributed data system, I don't know enough about blockchain and, and where the data is ah, stored. You, so, this is what I wanted to get to. <laughs> See, I knew I was so, reading his mind. So let me jump in, Let's sensorize data. Because we have something new at the conference, April 5th, the MIT Media Lab, um, which is a point-counterpoint panel on the notion of blockchain and IoT. There we go. And Frank, actually, coincidentally or not, is the moderator for that panel. Uh -huh. And uh, you know, blockchain, for those that, that haven't been reading their buzzword dictionary this week, is uh, the underlying technology for Bitcoin, yep. so the cryptocurrency. Yep. Um, and there is a school of thought in two streams. School thought that you can use blockchain to somehow add a layer of security and mm -hmm. microtransactions mm -hmm. for IoT. And then there's others that are practitioners in the space that don't think it's so. Right. So I'm not going to tip my hand over. Wait a minute, that's a different, that is a related issue, but my mm. issue was sensorizing oh. the data itself. Well, sensorizing in some figurative sense, right? In meaning detecting well, whether I the data if, has changed? You know, what without you getting into the, the details of it, which I could only make up. <laughs> um, but if you had the notion that the data, your physics degree the right data now. in order to be valuable needs to check in or be validated, and in uh, the process of being validated, it gives you some sense of where it is because it knows where it is. Because data can so, move. So what you're talking about is metadata of yeah, metadata, the data, yeah. right? Or context, so we when and how is this information collected? And to my earlier point, uh, do, you, can, do you have corroborated digital identity, you know, or? Well, let's um, assume the device the data is in is uh, got an identity associated with it, or sure. perhaps a location, right. and, can, and can feed that metadata, and that that metadata then becomes important right. to You this. weren't listening, were you? I wasn't listening. <laughs> no, so this is the this is the immutable you know immutable data with a root of trust going back to the hardware. Um, well, it may not be that narrow, but yeah. That, but you but might. That, but that's what that's the. That's an example, but in, and I, and blockchain comes in because in some cases it's used to try and prove that the data had not been modified Correct. or that changed. Would help. So in, on the panel, I'm going to be the impartial, detached analyst. 
Um, but I'm certainly going to channel uh, my colleague, Martha Bennett, who's done a bunch of research uh, for our clients in this space, basically arguing that it, um, blockchain will be usable in certain scenarios in the future, but it's not a ubiquitous thing and it's not a fundamental enabler. So we see value down the road, but it's not easy to use now and it's got some real limitations on, say, With transaction volume. And right. governance, too. And mm -hmm. when quantum computing comes out. Well, then we've used every buzzword. Our, yeah, all, no, we didn't get nanotechnology and artificial intelligence. Nanotechnology, okay, artificial now we're down ML, which, yeah. which gets <laughs> us to the end of our yeah, so we're session. Gonna, we're going we're gonna to end our podcast again. April 5th, 2018, MIT Media Lab, MIT Connected Things 2018. It's going to be a great event. Frank will be there. I'll be there. Uh, I think the rest of the crew we'll in be, here will we'll we'll all be there. Uh, about 500 of our are, closest are friends will be there. Are going to do a live podcast there? Uh, we are going to do a live podcast, Whoa. and there will be several other podcasts in this related series. Again, this has been a joint, uh, a joint production of Failure the Podcast and the MIT Enterprise Forum. Um, and Frank, thank you very much for coming in. I will thank definitely you. start recording now. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you get that one.